he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. Yes, all kings will fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Psalm 72, verse 8 and 11. This is the Weekly Wire brought to you by Christus Rex, a member of the Stoic Christian Affiliates and the Post Militia. Hey everyone, this is C.G. Billiot coming at you with the Weekly Wire for the second week of February, and we're going to hop right into it. Now, again, um, last last week I made a joke about how I, I know that I don't necessarily have the best audio set up. I'm not even using my mic this time just because I, I want to go ahead and get this knocked out. Um, so apologize in advance, but also sorry, not sorry. Like, it is what it is. Here to bring you guys good content. The better quality will come later. It is what it is. Anywho, show it to the headlines. I thought this one was uh, alarming. But there's a lot of alarming headlines these days. I just figured this one might have slipped through the cracks in what you've uh, heard this week. Now, granted, there's a whole lot of crazy things going on in the world. Uh, there was all kinds of memory with the, you know, the Chinese intelligence balloon flying over our continental United States. Pretty problematic. Pretty problematic from a security standpoint. But, you know, whatever. We'll just laugh it away and wait for more uh, destruction, I guess. But, anywho, whatever. So that, that, that's been going around. This also, the humongous. I definitely don't want to under... Uh, value the incredible tragedy that's going on in Turkey and Syria with a massive earthquake, which has killed thousands. Um, please go read up on that. This one, uh, those are both kinetic, though. There's, a, there's an obvious problem, uh, and they have more tangible solutions. This one uh, that I'm about to read to you uh, continues with some of the degeneracy we're seeing on our own day, um, but is problematic in such a way that it doesn't have an immediate solution other than just firing everyone associated with this problem. But it's, it's a lot, in other words, it's a, it's a symptom of a much larger societal problem, but here we go. Philadelphia Quaker school sex ed teacher says, quote, porn literacy necessary for students who are quote, sexual beings since birth. This is reported by the uh, post millennial. Video footage has emerged on social media of the sexuality education coordinator at a Pennsylvania private school, Quaker allegedly, saying that children are sexual beings from the moment they are born. Al Vernacchio, who made the comments during an award presentation last August, I have so many questions, like an award presentation? What was the award? And if this was in August, why is it just now coming out? And then also what kind of private school? Anyway has been the pre-K through 12 sex ed teacher at Friends Central, uh, a private Quaker school in Philadelphia for 20 years. Great. All right. In a clip, <laughs> a clip of his speech shared on Twitter by parent rights advocate Megan Brock, Vernacchio said he is responsible for the sexuality education of all the school's students from three-year-olds in nursery to the 12th graders who are turning 18 and preparing to leave to high school, uh, preparing to leave high school. That's a huge range, but every single one of those kids is a sexual being, says Vernacchio. They have since birth, and at every age and stage, we can offer them appropriate, transformative, oh, that word, transformative sexuality education. Vernacchio then told the audience that it's not enough that he alone educates these young, young minds, but rather that it is the job of everyone to step up to the... T- 
Whew. It's not enough that I teach them. We have to teach them, he said. Part of my message today is that we all, no matter what else we do in life, need to find a way to better... A way, uh, Find a way to be sexuality educators for the kids in our lives. If we don't step up, others will. And many of, of those others don't see wholeness and freedom the way we do. Oh. Vernacchio advocated for children to be, quote, porn literate. Oh, man. And argued that children are exposed to porn, whether society likes it or not. So they might as well be taught the critical thinking necessary to understand its messages. Messages... <laughs> According to an article in City Life magazine, according to the description of the Woodhull Freedom Foundation event from the group's YouTube channel and, quote, a cultural moment where don't say gay and anti-trans bills are being advocated in state legislators and fundamental sexual rights like access to safe abortion procedures are being threatened, age-appropriate, value-informed, medically accurate, progressive Progressive sexuality education could be a powerful tool for exploring issues of personal identity, body autonomy, pleasure, equ- <laughs> pleasure equality, and sexual justice. I'm sorry. I, I should probably be taking this more serious, but I just can't believe this is the lunacy. Um, like, like this, isn't, this isn't fiction. Like, like this is, there are some moments in which reality is more humorous and more terrifying than fiction. And this is both... Um, you know, this would have been 10, 15 years ago. This would have been laughed, uh, not even 10, five years ago. This would have been laughed away. But now this is a serious, serious, serious threat, problem, and concern. But at any rate, Vernacchio said one of the things to celebrate about today's culture is that children have so many more options open to them beyond, quote, simply whether they feel like a boy or girl. What other option? Well, that's one, it's not an option, decided for you. And then what <laughs> other options? Or whether they identify as gay, straight, or bisexual. Oh, but aren't there more than three? Allegedly, there's like way more than three, right? Because we have way more than two genders, apparently, right? Uh, Our understandings of both gender and orientation have greatly expanded in our culture. He said that ever-increasing list of identity labels children have to choose from allows young people to, quote, find a more precise way to describe their own experience. What it's brought about is a greater latitude experimenting with different identities. It's not uncommon today for young people to try out different labels and different pronouns and different relationships in search of their truth. (laughs) You're going to keep on looking and looking and looking and looking because neither I nor you nor any of us have our own truth. Vernacchio did not mention how, quote, experimenting with different identities and trying out different labels and pronouns often results in children being chemically castrated and having healthy body parts amputated at pediatric gender clinics all over the U.S. Now, whoever wrote this, salutations to you because you're absolutely right. Quote, the classroom has always been a place to to spark wonder, imagination, transformation, and growth in young people. Good education leads learners out of oppression, out of oppression. Wow. All right. And into possibility, the event description read, in 2021, Vernacchio and Friends Central were awarded, this part's going to hurt you as much as it just hurt me, a $250,000 grant to launch a project called Healthy Relationships and Consent Education. According to the Inquirer, the sex ed teacher expanded the notion of consent to include any situation where we interact with another person's property, body, or reputation. Vernacchio gave a TED Talk, ooh, gave a TED Talk in uh, 
2012, not an evangelical contemporary church, not a denominational sermon, but a TED Talk, although kind of the same. Anyway, Vernacchio gave a TED Talk in 2012 that went viral in which he replaced the traditional baseball metaphor for sex that refers to, quote, scoring and stealing bases with a metaphor about ordering pizza, which involves shared pleasure, discussion, agreement, fulfillment, and enjoyment. Oh, ah, man. All right, um, we could spend a whole episode <laughs> unpacking all that and identifying all of the pagan worldview work uh, that's running amok throughout all of this and that saturates this story. So many different things to point out. Um, where do I even begin? I think one of the things I want to I touch on right off the bat is notice this is happening in a private school. Now, anyone who's followed uh, the Rex Christus page for a while knows that we advocate for Christian education. We see it as a biblical commandment from God. But the thing is, is that often that discussion leads into a debate over public and private schools or homeschoolers being weird. Um, and this, that, and the other mode and medium and uh, methods and this, that, and the other. But it completely sidesteps the idea that, no, 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 if we are convinced that this is a command, not a suggestion from Scripture, that parents are charged with the responsibility from God to educate their children in the ways of uh, our Lord and his reality in which he is sovereign over all and all truth, all academia stems from him. Theology is the queen of all sciences. If we are convinced that is a commandment and not a suggestion, then we don't get by by simply saying, oh, but but what about cost or what about socialization or what about sports? We don't do that with other sins. Why would we why would we do that with the sin of keeping our our, our kids uh, in the education of the state? Now, like I said, I pointed out that this is a private school, which which demonstrates as 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 many of the public school advocates uh, often argue of keeping their Christian kids in a public school. They're like, yeah, but private schools can be just as corrupt. Absolutely, like clearly, like this this <laughs> this and many 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 more stories would demonstrate that. But again, I wanna I wanna I wanna say right off the bat that does not this example nor the other examples we can pull out of the woodwork to support our argument don't give us an excuse to keep on leading our kids astray the the same argument that i would cast to a, a public school advocate is uh you can't i'm going to quote vody bacham you can't send your kids uh to caesar the government and not expect them to come back to you it, uh, not expect for them to come back to you as Romans. If you send them to Caesar, they will come back to you as Romans. Uh, and so that's to say that the state is not responsible for education. In the same vein, though this was a private school, you send your kids to the Pantheon, they will come back as polytheistic worshipers. What do I mean by that? Clearly, as demonstrated by this article, this this private school, as well as other educational institutions, even some under the banner of, quote unquote, you know, Christian school or, uh, you know, value school. I've seen, va quote unquote, value charter schools. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. But all these pretenders uh, have been infiltrated by the pantheon of secular humanism in which there is a plethora of gods to choose from, whether that's sexuality, uh, what I, I wouldn't say racism, but... Uh, Racialism, how about that? Uh, these, or all these identity politics, or essentially the aspirations of 
uh, hedonism that if it looks good and feels good, then it must be good. Uh, of really the pantheon of secular humanism produces for the individual an atheistic, nihilistic, hedonistic reality of there is no God above. There's no point to this life. So I'm going to do whatever I want on any given day. And that's going to fulfill me. Well, the ironic thing is, is the people who are most vocal about it seem to never be satisfied. And that's because they're drawing from a well, which has run dry and dry and dry and will run dry until the end of time. But we, as professors of the faith of the true and living water, we pull from a well, which will never, ever, ever, ever run dry. Um, and that's the important thing is we can figure out the mechanics and, and I, I promise you this page will continue to labor to convince folks of the various options they have for Christian education. But aside from that argument about uh, mode and method, uh, we need to be concerned with first and foremost obedience unto God and understanding that if the greatest commandments in the law are to love the Lord your God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself, the best way for you to love your neighbor is to show them how to properly love God. Now, this is where I would tip my hat to Stephen Wolf and his book, Christian Nationalism. He's essentially arguing that if Christian nationalism really takes root again, as it formerly did in America, then just as public school, um, even a, a handful of decades ago, featured prayer, catechisms, and Bibles, um, that can return again. But nonetheless, the, what human history has demonstrated with the advancement of Western civilization is that when you pull Christ uh, from the understanding of truth, of any truth, no matter what academic subject it may be, you will uh, fall into the kind of degeneracy we are seeing around us, uh, causing many, many, many little ones uh, to stumble, which Christ said is an abomination of which the individual guilty for such should be thrown to the bottom of the ocean. So I, for one, don't want to be tossed in that category, and neither should you if you profess Christ. But enough with that story. Gracious, that was a lot. I would recommend reading that story. Stay on guard. Continue the discussion. Again, I know that none of that is going to uh, perhaps immediately sway someone to take their kids out of whatever school they are and put them in a different one. Uh, I know I did a lot of criticism and not a lot of a, a lot of subtraction, but not a lot of addition or substitution. I didn't talk about the alternatives, but like I said, if you continue to follow this page uh, and our various uh, platforms, you will continue to see Christian education advocacy to include various options. But anyway, anyway, that's enough of that. Time to move on to the blast from the past segment. All right. So for this week, I chose from the Christian Almanac, again, featuring Dr. George Grant and Gregory Wilbur, uh, February 7th, because I think there's some pretty neat stuff in there. Although there was all kinds of crazy stuff that happened uh, in this week in history. But let's go ahead and kick it off with this. February 7th, 1478, February 7th. So quite a long time ago, Sir Thomas More, the first layman to become Lord Chancellor of England, was born on this day. Refusing to recognize Henry VIII as the head of the church, More was executed for high treason in 1534, or excuse me, 1535. It is said that as he placed his head on the block, he drew his beard aside and said, this hath not offended the king. What a boss. What a situation with Henry VIII. I know you guys had a fun time learning about him in world history in high school, but what a guy. What a guy. Uh, anywho, don't want to dwell on that too much longer. Skip ahead a long time. February 7th, 1867. 
author Laura Ingalls Wilder, who wrote the semi-autobiographical Little House on the Prairie series between 1932 and 1943, was born in Lake Pepin, Wisconsin. She died on February 10th, 1957 in Mansfield, Missouri. Now, if you've been following the Christmas Rex page, you know uh, my wife and I did a podcast together discussing Little House on the Prairie. I encourage you to check it out. We absolutely love the show. Uh, that being said, I want to talk about something for a second. So she's born 1867, dies 1957. So almost 100 years. Consider, because my, my dad talks to me about this often, my great-grandfather would have lived from that time period as well, down in the swamps of Louisiana. That generation, talk about seeing so much change. We're so desensitized today with technological innovations. Uh, One iPhone after the another is light years ahead of what the Apollo space shuttles had with regard to computing power. But imagine you're, you're them, right? By the time you're a child, you're growing up without air conditioning, uh, without uh, modern day uh, insulation in homes, without uh, electricity, without indoor plumbing, and predominantly still horse and buggy. By the time your grandchildren and great-grandchildren are running about, we have computers or the early onset stage of computers, electricity, indoor plumbing. It's, it's quite literally a new world, um, technologically speaking. I just can't, can't imagine crazy. Anyway, sorry, just, just giving you some food for thought because again, like we don't talk about this, but like our, uh, man, I'm going to be wasting y'all's time. We have to think as Christians covenantally of, we are far more connected than we want to admit, not in a collectivist standpoint. We don't want to fall in that ditch. And we also don't want to fall in the ditch of hyper-individualism. We are covenantal. We are covenantally connected. So time is not as large as we consider it. Our great-grandparents so if you're Gen Zer, right, our great-grandparents lived through the Second World War. Their great-grandparents lived through the Civil War. Their great-grandparents lived through the Revolution. The American War for Independence, that is, wasn't necessarily a revolution, but the American War for Independence. So consider that. Basically, three, 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 nine generations back, our great-grandparents, their great-grandparents, their great-grandparents. And that's that's a very, very conservative. And in many cases, it was our grandparents or their grandparents. It was, in other words, it wasn't as far back as I just uh, articulated it. But the point is, we are far more connected to these large events in history than we often realize, not seeing how swiftly God's kind hand of providence has blessed us to where we are today. Uh, and then grace be towards us because we're going to need it going forward. But at any rate, moving on. Uh, February 7th, 1936, Franklin Roosevelt authorized a flag and seal for the office of the vice president. You know, call me dumb, but uh, I didn't even realize the vice president had like a separate dealio, but it is what it is. All right. So I mentioned Dietrich Bonhoeffer last week. Uh, Evidently, we've got another entry about him. February 7th, 1945. Lutheran theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer was transferred to the Nazis' terrible Buchenwald concentration camp where many thousands of prisoners died, some while undergoing cruel medical experiments. Three months later, Bonhoeffer was added to the list of the dead. He was hung before Allied Army forces freed the camp, safe in, or hanged, I guess, he was hanged, 
just says hanged. Anyway, he was hanged days before Allied Army forces freed the camp. Safe in exile in America during the first part of Hitler's terrible reign, he had abruptly returned to Germany. Quote, I have come to the conclusion that I have made a mistake in coming to America. I shall have no right to participate in the reconstruction of the Christian life in Germany after the war if I did not share in the trials of this time with my people. Christians in Germany face the terrible alternatives of willing the defeat of their nation in order that civilization may survive, or willing the victory of their nation and thereby destroying civilization. I know which of these alternatives I must choose, but I cannot make that choice in security. In Germany, Bonhoeffer worked with the underground resistance. He helped guide Jews to safety, believing that Hitler was a madman, quote, driving a car into a group of innocent bystanders. He even joined a plot to kill the Fuhrer. After his arrest he, uh, for his aid to the Jews, his role in the plot was discovered. There was little hope that he would survive the Nazi wrath. Nonetheless, Bonhoeffer was personally at peace. Suffering, he said, had become a better key for understanding the world than happiness ever had been. In the end, he had fulfilled aspirations of his own theology, aptly expressing them in the book, The Cost of Discipleship, the one I was telling you all about, actually. Quote, the one thing that matters is practical obedience. That will resolve man's difficulties and make him free to become the child of God. What a boss. Definitely look into the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, as I was telling you guys, The Cost of Discipleship, as well as other books. Um, again, so needed uh, in our understanding today as the church of what does obedience really look like? Um, and to have a concern, again, with, again, that covenantal understanding of uh, we have an obligation before our society and the history of our civilization to uh, bear with uh, integrity the heritage that's been passed on to us in obedience to Christ. But anyway, February 7th, 1948, General Dwight D. Eisenhower resigned as Army Chief of Staff and was succeeded by General Omar Bradley. February 7th, 1949, Joe DiMaggio commanded the first six-figure contract in major leagues when he signed the Yankees for $100,000. Crazy to think that now we give backup punters on, on NFL teams more than that. And lastly, February 7th, 1984, space shuttle astronauts Bruce McCandless II and Robert L. Stewart went on the first untethered spacewalk. That's pretty wild. So I guess the theme, I'm shoot from the hip here. I didn't write this down before. Uh, through all this is, again, whether it's uh, what we see with Sir Thomas More and Dietrich Bonhoeffer to uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder and our astronaut friends of uh, our lives mirror the life of the pages of Scripture. Some of the themes we see uh, throughout Scripture, of course, are death, resurrection, and everlasting life. And it's central to our understanding of the gospel and the meta narratives we have of redemption and maturity that man faces as he walks with God. There's going to be times of incredible sorrow, suffering, and death that once being dwelt by the Spirit and renewed by the love of Christ, we then experience resurrection, resurrection life that's unfathomable. The question for us is whether or not we'll be identified with folks like Moore or Bonhoeffer or with uh, Richard Sibbs, one of my favorite Puritans, who has often said of him that uh, heaven was in him before he was in heaven. Will we be those people who really and truly live out thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that we live that in the world around us to further realize the kingdom we already live in? Hopefully that was encouraging or helpful to some of you guys. But without further ado, let's listen to a quick ad and get into the weekly word. Thank you, guys. 
blog and other platforms. Now on this take, you might legitimately hear my dog because he is chomping away on a dog toy right now, but I think you'll forgive him. Anyway, uh, hashtag embrace optimism. So the campaign is moving on. The post militia continues to advocate for the church to realize the optimism she should have for the prospects of the kingdom of Christ for our day in the years to come. Um, so, so go check out whether it's uh, at Peter Trumbo, post uh, militant, stoic Christian, Puritan memes, uh, spare no arrows, the battle and the bride, or Christus Rex, of course. Um, go see the posts that were thrown out on Saturday to get conversations going about the church possessing an optimistic outlook on her mission, uh, and that is to disciple the nations and be discipled herself, of course. Um, let's see. Christus Rex featured two posts on Saturday. Go check those out. They were the uh, Eschatology of Genesis and the Puritan Optimism Part 2. Uh, and is looking to keep the ball rolling on cultural conversation. Expect more practical and tactical posts to be heading your way. Um, I say this because I think to this point we belabor the point of, hey, um, dispensational or pessimistic thinking has not helped the church, will not help the church. Uh, it was not the common thought of our forefathers, and it should not be of our children's children. So that being said, what do we do now? Um, and I, my prayer is, is that we start equipping folks with real tangible things that they could start doing to participate um, in the mission of the church in a different way than perhaps they have been doing up to this point in their lives. Um, sorry, my dog just jumped across my lap. Anyway, appearances. So recently, Christus Rex has been featured on two notable partner pages and or podcasts, The Battle and the Bride and The Worldview War Room. The Battle Project uh, has already been released, so please go check that out on their website or podcasts titled The Battle and the Bride or at The Battle and the Bride. Uh, the page was, uh, <laughs> I, I can't remember what name we ultimately ended up settling on for the piece, something along the lines of Christ the Seafaring Conqueror, I believe. But basically, it was my hand at dabbling with biblical typology, having read a lot of James B. Jordan and Peter Lightheart. Um, of course, I still recommend going back and listening to the podcast I did with uh, Caleb Gisbret on the, the Heavenly Template. We talked a lot of typology there. But at any rate, go check out that work. Um, it was biblical typology in the book of Mark specifically. Um, these folks are basically family to me, the folks over at Battle and the Bride. Uh, I could not be more blessed to know them and be able to grow with them. So expect more projects with them in the future. The other project, the War, the War Room project, uh, will be released sometime this week. And I got to warn you, folks, it was juicy. Um, and it was another one very similar to what I ended up doing with uh, the Save Show, my buddy Justin, where I was just, I have to apologize. I was just a fire hydrant. I was just throwing out pretty much everything I've learned in the last two years all at once. So prepare yourself. But Brenton Levi and C.G. Billiot discussed post-millennialism, theonomy, and Christian nationalism. So yikes. Uh, stay tuned for when that drops. Uh, the Christmas Rex Instagram page will keep you tuned up on that one. And give my boy Brenton a follow at the Worldview War Room page on Instagram. Q&A and future projects. Uh, recently, a podcast listener asked for more, contact, uh, more content like the Let Us Declare War piece. 
uh, essentially asking when we can expect more like that. So if you're unfamiliar, the piece was calling for the legal destruction of the porn industry. Uh, I promise you more will be said on this. Uh, He actually gave a lot of suggestions. I'll come back to that in a second. But uh, the goal is to, no kidding, as the letter or the podcast articulated, uh, launch a ministry from the ground up that is uh, aimed at eradicating porn from contemporary culture today. But anyway, the fan proceeded to give several suggestions on what kind of content folks might want to research on this topic. Uh, It was very helpful. So everything from, hey, you know, maybe do a piece laying out the statistics on how just how uh, exactly anyway, uh, how destructive porn is and how it has been in the last several decades. Yeah, that that was has already jumped across my mind doing a a brief history, if you will, um, and then contributing to the think tank on how do we get rid of it? What is what do those policies look like? What would enforcement look like? What would be the mechanisms of um, of uh, justice, basically, what what would justice look like in those instances? So um, don't have all the answers now, of course, but we got to start somewhere and we got to get moving. Um, I ask all of you to do this kind of thing like this fan did. So whatever the topic is, uh, if you feel like we're not addressing something or we haven't addressed something as much as maybe you'd like, reach out. Hey, ask us questions. Give us uh, recommendations and suggestions, please. Um, let's see. Oh, and um, somebody else asked about another Little Kingdom episode. Uh, my wife is currently away on a work trip. So when she gets back, uh, definitely anticipate another Little Kingdom episode. Uh, the many lessons from Joseph Project. Okay, it's been four weeks now. and I still haven't finished for you guys. So sorry. It's just the nature of work. Um, and other things have come up. So actually, there's been a surprise project that I worked on this week. I keep doing that. I keep like working on other pieces instead of that one. It's just procrastination, I guess. But forgive me. Um, I do have a surprise post that is going to drop on the blog um, this week. So stay tuned for that. Focused on community and its importance. Uh, but that's going to do it for the Weekly Wire. It's time now for the Weekly Word. The death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ changed the world. It changed reality. It changed history. Now, death has no hold on God's people. Now, a man in the flesh sits on the throne of existence. Now, the rest of the world will be blessed by his reign or else. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. Psalm 2, verse 11. The text for this week, Psalm 72, screams this from the rooftops, quote, all nations will serve him. This is more than a threat. It's a promise. We see this promise fulfilled in the New Testament. Jesus really does have all authority in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Civil leaders today around the world are ministers under his reign, Romans 13, 1 through 4. These authorities today, whether they know it or not, or obey it or not, are submitted under Christ's authority. Should they not rule by his decrees, they will be judged. A man reaps what he sows, even if that man is Caesar. So we may say with the psalmist, you kings be wise. His wrath can flare up in a moment. We may say this and believe it. When the church does this, she will fear no Caesar. She will fear no Hitler, no Stalin, no Xi Jinping, nor a Biden. When the church remembers the promises of her king, no authority can ultimately threaten her. 
no matter what that authority may be. Live in confidence, live under Christ, declare his kingdom. The nations will serve him. Wherever you find yourself and whatever you find yourself doing, remember nothing is wasted in faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Sin is dead, death is next, and Ave Christus Rex. Reconstructionist Radio is a reform network that includes a catalog of audiobooks, narrated articles, lectures, podcasts, music, and more. All content emphasizes practical applications of biblical principles meant to encourage the body of Christ to work for the advancement of his kingdom. Everything is free, available to stream online and in their forthcoming mobile app or in PDF form. Put their resources to use or support this ministry at reconstructionistradio.com or check the show notes below for more.